Thank you for tuning in to Cop with Comic. I'm Brian Cop, and we're with Comic Yo Tom Tupel. Yo, Tom Tubal, how the hell are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh, good. I'm doing so good. And thank you so much for coming on because we follow you online and across social. You are Yotami Salami, which teaches us how to pronounce your name. That is exactly right. That's my little <laughs> trick. Yes, it and doesn't Yotam... rhyme with ham. It rhymes with salami. Yeah, now we got to do something with your last name, too, because it's Tubal. And so like, yeah. uh, I had that Tubular Bells uh, reference, and you were like, what the fuck is that? And it just shows I'm 41, and you're probably like 20. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite, but okay. I, I'll research it as soon as I get off the call. Oh, yeah, man, we'll put it in the show notes. I think somebody grilled me on, uh, I have Mary Dakotas on, and some commenter was like, where's a link to her blah, blah, blah? I don't use Instagram. And I'm like, do you think I'm going to fucking, like, what, like, deliver the video from Maria Dakotas to you because you don't use Instagram? It's like, whatever I deliver it to you with, via you're not going to use it, but can I get it to you via Google, Gmail? It's like, I don't use Gmail. It's like, go fuck yourself. Like, meaning, what are show notes supposed to um you know what are they supposed to explain other than the the reference tubular bells right yeah i guess <laughs> your your fans have come to expect a lot from you they want you to knock on their door bring them a full you know director's cut of each episode yeah it's like come on man where, where, what's this tubular bell you talk about all right so i uh, real quick we, we have one of the best topics ever and we're gonna get to that in a second but yeah have you you did uh stand-up comedy before the pandemic but you also do content like uh you do you know you write for you write for people you write for tv you're just kind of a joke master right hope so hope i'm on my way to that i was doing before the pandemic definitely like enjoying live comedy doing stand-up and sketch and improv and since then i have had the great pleasure of doing two very weird zoom stand-up shows <laughs> just I I tip my hat to anyone who's doing this like five nights a week because it's like whatever was like narcissistic and like crazy about doing live standup, doing Zoom standup is so much more of a dissociative fever dream. Because it's there's crazy. not as many people and you don't get the kind of the laugh feedback. I mean, there could be more like this show that I did. It was like um, happened to be like 200 like boomer Jews from synagogues across the South and Midwest. Really? And so you see that number ticking up in the bottom and it's like, oh, 200 people are here. But you're like, why, then why is it silent? And what is happening? And do they like me? And should I yeah. keep talking? Yeah, because other, otherwise they'd heckle you if, if their mics were open, right? So a couple did keep their mics open, um, which I appreciate because the host was like, please, we want to hear your laughter. So I don't blame them for not understanding technology, but it was beautiful to like try to deliver a punchline. And all you hear is like one, one elderly lady going like, what did he say? <laughs> <laughs> and then her husband like repeats the punchline back to her. And they're both like, ha. <laughs> And you're like, well, finally, I mean, I'm glad to explain it to your elderly wife because, I mean, she finally laughed. I appreciated that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, like, but, but when, you know, quarantine ends, you're just going to hit the ground running and you're going to do stand-up and sketch and improv and you're just going to wear a face mask while doing it, right? I would love to. I honestly was really enjoying sketch the most before this all happened. Um, I got involved with, like, a sketch comedy team that does, to go back to the theme, it was a Jewish sketch comedy 
uh, show and um, and we got to go to Chicago Sketchfest in January and it was so much fun. And that to me is like the one event that when I think back, I'm like, that was the before times. I can't believe just <laughs> six months ago, I was like doing karaoke in a crowded bar in the Midwest, like yeah. touching a hundred other people. Like, <sighs> Never again. That's that's from a different life. Yeah. So being from Chicago, where was this the Chicago Sketch Comedy Festival? Where in the city was it? Do you remember? Oh, um, it was yeah, it was Lake, running Lakeview? through. Was that sounds Bel right. Belmont. Yeah, Belmont. Like yeah. So you yeah, know, what was the company? Yeah, the theater was. Um, <laughs> do you mind naming Chicago theaters? And I'll tell I think you. That there was like an annoyance, but I suppose it could also be you know Second City or Improv Olympic or. Um, mm -hmm. It was it was near ones. the annoyance. Yeah, it might have been on Belmont. Oh, it, was, uh, there. it had like numbers in it, like Studio Five Oh Seven or something. Okay, all right, but yeah, you rocked and you rocked the Midwest, and you can't wait to get back. I would love to go back. It was so yeah. much fun. I'd love well, to see people in any form. And, and but because we're like suffering through this existence, we can blame our parents, and 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 we're yes. just saying because I am transitioning into the best topic ever, supplied by you, but it's a favorite of mine, and I've been talking about it forever. Is it selfish to have kids? Yes. And, yeah, and I'll let, I'll let, you know, because I don't think you're familiar with my take on it. I want your take on it first. Okay, because I would love to hear yours too. Oh, yeah. Because um, what I've been noodling on is I've just, uh, where to begin? I think my guess is that many people, hopefully most people, go into the endeavor with like, I'm going to bring life into the world. I'm going to give a gift to this child. They'll get to be alive. I'm going to nurture them, you know, raise them, protect them, etc. And I just, I can't imagine there's any way to separate the selfishness part from that, which is I want to see a thing that looks just like me and, <laughs> and, and, you know, and it'll have my eyes and it'll laugh at my jokes and it'll do the things I tell it to. And, It'll be an extension of my ego into the world. And I don't know how you can separate those two. I think about my parents. I think about if I ever have kids, I don't think it's possible. Yeah, but it's, I mean, like, and I see it, you know, there's a, and the reason why I'm so obsessed about it is because there's not really much pushback on the narrative that how could it be selfish? I'm giving a gift of life. And I'm like, well, compared to what? <laughs> like, you know, it's not like I was being, you know, you know, prodded with a pitchfork you know, before I came yes. into existence, but, but really like my, my main thing is like, without somebody's consent, you have subject, subjected a person to 80 years of life. Mm -hmm. And if you're raising a good, a good kid, I mean, you, you, you probably be like, I'm going to teach him his ways for 18, 20 years and you'll fucking kick it, kick his ass out. Otherwise it'll be just a, a pampered asshole to everybody in the world. Like, uh -huh. so for 60 to 80 years beyond that, you have to work or starve and die. Like, and somebody else made that decision for you because somebody made the decision for me. And I never, you know, guilt my parents about it. I'm like, you know, this is just a fucking whack theory. I have parents of mine. It's like without their consent, you are subjecting them to go to work every fucking day for 80 fucking years. And if you're religious like me, you can't just take a header off a bridge because then you go to hell. Like, so if you're, also, if you're also godly, it's like, well, before I was born, I wasn't facing the risk of uh, being fucked in the ass by the devil for, for a thousand million years, you know, like. So uh -huh. I can't take that way out. So I have to be a, be a good person and work every, every day till I die. And somebody else made that decision for me. And I talked about it with Chinook Tessera because he also brought in you know, the climate change element. You know, it's like, yep. well, I wouldn't subject him to the world now because 
you know, the world could, you know, burn on fire. And now we have a pandemic. And so it's like, even at its best, and I had a good life and I was raised well. And that's why I can say, even at its best, you have to work till you die. And somebody else made that decision for you. So when you take the whole burgeoning ideas of, of consent and climate change, I would just think that people on the left would be a little bit more careful uh, mm -hmm. to bring somebody into the world that could go to shit due to climate change without their consent. Yeah, it's interesting. That, see, that, your take, I would push back on. That, for me, does not bother me as much. Like, I... I have the like blind optimist faith that being conscious is better than not being Ugh, better feels like too simple of a word, but I th like, I think there's like fundamental good and beauty to the experience of being conscious. Oh, sure. So I don't, that does not keep me up at night as much. It's more, <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess I don't mind making someone get to experience sunsets without their consent. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, do you believe in an afterlife or not? I guess that's where things get complicated. I don't really, and okay. I can see how it would be more. Uh, you're, for you, that is troubling because it's not just. Um, it's not just know, eighty get, years, yeah. It's not just eighty years of sunsets and then back to whatever non-existence you had before. I guess if you're in hell for a millennia, that. Yeah. Um, but and I guess the, the the better it is, like meaning like. Like, I, I totally agree that there's great things in life. And of course, I don't go around being down on life. Like, I'm, I'm more just like, I make the best out of it. Like, I, I'm very grateful every fucking day about my life is, you know, is, relatively speaking, my life has been amazing. It's, it's been filled with great friends and family and hobbies and a job I like and a city I like and an apartment I like, like all this shit. But because of that it can get so much worse. Like, meaning like if you were treated like shit the first 18 years, then you're happy to get out. You know, then, I mean, of course, you're scarred for life, but then your next 60 years might be relatively good. <laughs> so they were shitty for 20 years. You got beat like crazy, you know, and then then after that, you, you had beating free life, hopefully for 60 more years. And you're like, I'm so happy right now. I'm not being beat right now. But if your life was good, then you're like, oh, shit, I have to go to work. Nobody fucking, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. I could be fired at any moment. I could be poor at any moment. I can't move back in with my parents. But then also it can get worse in that. If you're blessed with people that you love, they can totally die. Mm -hmm. And so then you're like, oh, well, that's it's, you know, anything good can also be bad. Not a yeah. sunset, of course, but like, you know, the great people who make your life full and rich, they could yeah. totally die. Like, so the better you had it, the worse it gets. I think the roller coaster of the good and bad is still preferable to the zero, the flat zero of the not being conscious. Wow. And we can't go back and see what lack of consciousness. We can't tell. Like <laughs> yeah, we can't compare. <laughs> but then why would it? Then why would it bother you? Like, so you're just like, yeah, totally selfish to to be like, I want to watch somebody for, you know, to grow from from zero till about eighteen. Like, I kind of want to, and and you're just saying it's selfish, but you don't really. I don't know if you have a real problem with it though, right? Like, I think the selfishness for me is more like. If you're if you're sitting with yourself and you're trying to think like, am I an altruistic person or did I do this X action in order to further my ego or my my thumbprint on the world? Um, I think it's I think it's impossible to disentangle the and, and broaden it out from having kids. I think just like with almost any action, I. I find it really hard to disentangle. Like, am I doing this because 
it's the right thing to do or because I want to seem good or I want people to see me as good. And maybe, maybe we're not supposed to disentangle those two. Maybe you just have to live with that tension. So you're, you're fine with like, if the parent or whatever is, you know, of course, yo, Tom Tubal is going to be like, yo, are you guys aware that you're having this kid because you have a giant ego? And if they're like, yes, I'm aware of that, then you're fine. Just so you're aware, uh, just so they're aware <laughs> that they're kind of doing this selfishly, right? Or do you, are you really thinking that you should only have and raise kids if you are doing so altruistically, like I'm going to raise that kid to be a philanthropic badass? I think you should be prepared or try to prepare yourself that that kid is not going to like be your friend or like your emotional support system or um your pet project for the rest of your life you still need to find a meaningful life outside of that kid that you brought into the world right and so it's also like you know and and in doing so you're going to be a better parent for it because if you're just a clingy clingy parent who's living through the kid you're going to be a shitty parent it's going to be a shitty kid exactly okay and then is any of this making its way into your act like had you had an experience growing up that um, you had a parent who was overly involved or did they kind of, um, you know, raise you in a healthy way such that you just want to make sure that everybody else, you know, and are you even talking about this on stage? The only so far, the only way that it's made it into my act is like there, there is a joke that I've been working on about like weighing the pros and cons of um, have like bringing a child into existence in the age of climate change. And like on the con side, it's like, you know, decades of suffering for billions of people and the odds of like a much worse existence than you had. But on the pros side, they have like really cute, squishy cheeks and elbows. And that's kind of, (laughs) 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 and so it's, you know, it's impossible to choose. Um, But to like your own upbringing, have parents who were more like, uh, you have cute cheeks and elbows or were they more like, um, we got to raise this kid to to be aware that there's going to be shit like climate change and they have to be ready for it with a sweet career or something. And a career in comedy is, of course, a career in comedy is, of course, what they encouraged. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, at least to knock their foot down enough. Uh, I I think I'm in a place where I'm like, I... I I hope that my parents have hobbies and fulfillment beyond me and my siblings. And I'm and I think the jury's out on that. <laughs> <laughs> but I would love for them to develop those. And can I at what point do you do you realize that the responsibility is yours to develop a life outside your family? Like like, you know, when did you move out? When did you move to New York City? When did you get into comedy? And why did you do those things? Is it because you knew that it's a labor of love that will be fulfilling till the end of your day? I mean, this is a perfect example of what I'm talking about again. Like, I'm always, like, it's that, with comedy, it's that duality of, like, I, I entertained someone. I made their night. I made them laugh. I made them feel good. But, uh, but the flip side is like, I, people laughed at me and it made me feel good. It made me feel loved and validated. And I'm just doing this purely for my own ego. Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, it's just like on friends. He's like, you know, there's no such thing as a good thing. Yeah. It's like, Mm. yeah, you can donate to the poor, even if you don't like the organization. But I mean, you felt good because despite your reservation about the organization, you donated and you feel good. You're just fucking high on yourself. So as long as you, you just, you just like that there's attention. Is is there other, or, or you are, you want to make others aware that there is attention. And Mm. and is there anything in your act that's kind of like that where you're like, you know, everything I talk about on stage 
should kind of teach the audience that they're not as awesome as they thought. Yeah, I <laughs> is do. Is that the good I, persona to be? Is that, a, is that kind of the career choice? You want to make audiences uh, think you're smart, even though it might be at the expense of likability? <laughs> I'm not getting that from you right now. I mean, I'm thinking that you're pretty likable. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I, I do like comedy that kind of um, plays with like what what is a good person and what is a person who thinks they're good but maybe is not. Um, I'm working on a musical right now about climate change um, set in the near future in which um, two uh, oil executives are being tried at The Hague for crimes against humanity oh. and they fall in love and they're the heroes of the story. And I'm, I'm just really enjoying <laughs> playing with that right now. Um, I personally do not think they're heroes. I think they should be tried for crimes against humanity, but it's just it's fun to play with. But because they found a kinship in the other person they're both evil in exactly the same way. So you might as well, you know, love each other until you die. Yeah. And and they're living in the moment. They're not worrying about future consequences. <laughs> Cause they're at the Hague, man. They're about to be hung at the end of a rope, right? Exactly. How the fuck did you think about that? Like, yeah, what, what, I was totally interested in how, I mean, of course you probably were like uh, climate change, you know, it sounds like you're, you are aware. Um, you're keenly aware of the fact that climate change is a pressing issue and will be forever. Uh -oh. And um, so you were like, I want to do something climate changey. Yeah. <laughs> How does that turn into, I want to put two oil executives in the Hague. I mean, that's, that's kind of a, uh -huh. a leap, a logical leap, but then they're going to fall in love. That almost like changes from world focused about climate change to the focus on the evil of people. But maybe mm -hmm. that's what created climate, you know, the climate difficulty in the first place. The fact that everybody was so selfish and short-sighted, you might as well fuck while you're in the Hague. Mm-hmm. You're discovering all the themes. That, nice. see, it's, it's very fun to play with. Wow. I'd like to put it out someday. Yeah, and so how do you do that? Like, how do you, like, do you have people in mind that you're going to cast for that? And, and what if the pandemic doesn't cooperate? Like, are you going to be able to do this stuff no. remotely? Or are you just going to kind of wait till the world opens up and then go back to Chicago? In, yeah. You really want me to come back to Chicago? I'll do oh, it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I reckon I'll go with you. I'm in New York right now, but it's just a great place, and especially the places where the theaters are, you know, in Lakeview. It's just like Chicago is pristine yeah. and it's cheap enough to live in those neighborhoods. It's like living near Central Park but paying $1,000 instead of 10000 Yeah, it's so it's so great, the balance of life there. They're very lucky. Oh, yeah. And um, it's right on, right I, on the lake, too, yeah. Yeah, I want to... Uh, I've been thinking just like waiting until live theater is a thing again, but maybe I'll get impatient and try to do like a Zoom table read to start. And are you going to cast yourself as one of the dudes in the Hague or no? I don't think so. I I like comic acting. Um, like on my sketch team, I find myself pigeonholed into the um, like um, indignant straight man who is like, you know, the only person who recognizes this world is insane. Um, I, I love playing that role, but you know, it's, it's one, it's boring. Um, yeah. I don't think there's a role like that for me in this musical. Oh, okay. Maybe it'll be your turn to flex, to flex your fucking chops, you know, to, to spread mm. your wings. And then like, do you know other people on the sketch team who would be well suited to this uh, musical of yours? And it's a musical, mm -hmm. right? And if so, it why, is is a musical. Musical? why is it a musical? Are you a comedy musical guy? I grew up with musicals a lot. This is thanks to my mom. We would listen to musical CDs in the car to school every morning. Oh. And so I have a real soft spot for just like the cheesiest, cheesiest, like old American songbook yeah. musicals. Uh, I get how, those big how, do you write, how do you write a song up to that standard, though? Especially a comedy song. 
where there has to be a new joke every refrain. I am going to plug a friend of mine who I hope to collaborate with once it's time. To, okay. I got a friend named Gabe Nathans, who's a really funny and weird musical comedian and cool. I'm a musician. Um, so I'm hoping to enlist his help once it's time to like really, you know, put melodies to lyrics. Because you, you can't like, although you're a big musical fan, you can't write music. I grew up playing. I like played piano for eight years growing up, and okay. I can like noodle a little melody in my head. But I, I'd love a more professional musician's take. Yeah, you're you're like Salieri, just plinking plinking along on the piano, and then Mozart <laughs> comes and fucking you know does variations on the theme. Yes, exactly. And um, how long does that take to write? Like something like that takes like all quarantine long. Have you been working at it? <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and if not, what is your excuse? All these other people are so productive. I love that. Like, there's such a you know, there's a lot of threads of comedy. You know, you actually see that you, I'm enjoying the output of people who've been productive. At the same time, I'm enjoying the jokes of lazy comedians who are saying, no, fuck that shit. I'm not oh, going to be productive. Yeah. It's a pandemic. Fuck that shit. I'm just going to be hilarious and, and make comedy out of my lazy habits. <laughs> Good for them. I mean, yeah. I'm always falling into the comparing myself trap and being jealous of how much more productive other comedians are. Uh, but I. For a chunk there, I was writing about a scene a week. Which, yeah. which, I mean, it's you know, it's like one hour of writing and four hours of browsing Twitter and hating yourself. It, it could <laughs> go faster. But there could I be inspiration in other people's Twitter's feeds, right? Like you could be That's, like, all right, sometimes the letting your mind wander has your background background processes going. It's like while you're taking a shower, you come up with some brilliant ideas. Yeah, I mean, that's what I always tell myself. Do you find like browsing Twitter um, or Instagram like helps your mind wander and get into a more creative place? Uh, no, I, I mean, I've, uh, I generally have had big ideas when I've been, you know, consciously just trying to zone the fuck out. Like even when a bad idea will come up, I'll be like, no, I need my next big idea. Let me just chill the fuck out until the next big idea comes along and then the podcast comes along. And so that's kind of, you know, and then I, and it's cool too, because while you're letting your background process of running, you're being a lazy motherfucker. And the minute you get your great idea, that's when you need the hustle anyway. Mm -hmm. Right. That's, that's great. Zoning out is how to do it. I do not believe for me that browsing social media is a way to zone out. I think <laughs> I turn to it to like numb my brain. Oh, okay. And so, yeah, after a productive day, you're just like, I want to chill the fuck out. Let me read these fucking tweets. Yeah, just the endless scroll will wrap me in its arms. Well, I just want to let you know that the end of scroll that wraps me in its arms is going to be, it's going to include Yotami Salami now that you're a former, <laughs> former guest. And so I'm going to happily re retweet your funny shit. And it's going to be Yotami Salami across all social platforms. And also Yotam, Yotam Tubal, YotamTubal.com. Beautiful. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for coming. I can't wait to see that musical. Oh, I will. You'll be the first to get um, an invite to purchase a ticket. <laughs> yeah. well, thank God. Yo, Yo, Tom Tubal, thank you so much. Thanks for having me on.